0: Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman, and I'm the founding director of the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. And we are building a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. Our flagship enterprise, so to speak, is the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. It's a program where we are empowering professionals from historically marginalized communities to land their first product management role. That's kind of what we do. But the reason is all too often innovations are developed by the few and for the few, leaving so many people feeling excluded from innovations, feeling uninvited, unseen and unheard. And so one of the many ways the Product Management Center is trying to tackle that problem is bringing in diverse voices into the product management field so that they could have a broader set of customers in mind as we build products. And so another thing that we're doing for that mission is this. Every week we are here with some of the best product managers in the business, and we have that make them accessible to all of you. Those of you who join us here on Clubhouse for the live conversation, and those of you who Tune in on your podcast on every major podcasting app. So this week, we are going to talk about customer usage data and how you could collect it, why you should collect it, and how you could action it to build a better future for your business and for your customers. And we are joined by Sumeya, as always. Red, I didn't expect to see you here, but grateful that you are. And Zennifer, who is our guest today. Zennifer, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey in product management.
1: Thank you, Jeff, for having me here. I am a product man- senior product manager at Amazon and I've been in product management for quite some time now. I started my career in analytics and transitioned into product management. So that's how I believe I have a good view of how to use data and analytics in product management at different stages. So yeah, excited to provide some of my experience and my point of view in today's discussion.
0: All right, Jennifer, thanks for joining us. And a reminder to all our listeners that Jennifer is speaking on her own behalf and her own opinions. But since she did mention that she's at Amazon, I will mention that Amazon is a platinum sponsor or was a platinum sponsor, an inaugural sponsor on the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. So I'm always grateful when I meet product managers from Amazon, I'm grateful that Jennifer's company and thousands of product managers, their company, Amazon donated to help us keep this program going and make it free for everyone. So Jennifer, great to have you here. Sumeya, tell us your skill is that you could always tell people why do they need to care about a topic, and so why should somebody care about collecting customer usage data, understanding customer usage data, and actioning on it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think at this point, a lot of product managers have heard me speak about the importance of data. I think it's probably old news now for everybody. A lot of the decisions we make as product managers are grounded and based on information we have. The information is not always complete. So by no means is it 100% of what we need or is data all we need. But any information we can get and all the information we can get can be helpful. As I said, that statement, I also thought about situations where getting too much information might not be. <laughs> so we can talk about that nuance in a little bit. Customer data is just one type of data and you know, product managers have a lot of ways of getting it. Sometimes they have to build features in their software or in their products to be able to collect it. Sometimes they have to rely on third parties. Sometimes they have to get it from other sources. Sometimes it's just based on proto or approximation. So I'm excited today for us to talk about some of those methods and ways of getting the data, the ways to use it, to tell the story, to make the decisions we need to make, and then how to work with tricky situations. When does it not make sense to use data? When does data lead you in a direction you shouldn't be going, etc. So I'm excited about those details that we're going to get to talk about.
0: All right. I love your excitement. I could feel it through my headphones here. Speaking of excitement, I'm so excited that Red's back. We got the whole trio. Sumaya, Red and I have been doing this every week on Clubhouse and podcast available on every major podcasting app, all because Red created this peanut butter and jelly. I don't know, whatever is the best combo. The two of you are the best combo. So Red, tell them a little bit about yourself, why you're here all the time and how they can get involved in today's conversation.
3: Absolutely. And uh, I'm glad you referenced uh pea butter and jelly. I, to me, I'm gonna have to claim uh jelly just for a brand sake. Cause you know, it's a red raspberry jelly and I am in fact red. So <laughs> yeah. you're so on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna He's fight back. you for it. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't you come with like a better sandwich choice, Jeff? Uh, okay. So first of all, I am honored to be here. I am so happy to be back with uh holiday schedules and everything going on. One thing for those listeners who are tuning in, what almost two years ago, Jeff had pinged me and said, hey, you know, we're going to start up this uh, community center for the product managers. And I was like, okay, this sounds interesting. But ultimately, what it led to was not just a community center, it was the center for inclusiveness for product managers worldwide. Like if you're a PM, and for context, I spent a decade working with PMs, there wasn't a course or a class or a group that was dedicated to making it a place that could be inclusive for all. And knowing what I know about PMs, what a missed opportunity that was. And lucky to be in Seattle and how much more lucky that University of Washington and Jeff paired up. So while we might be the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, Jeff, you're the banana that goes in to enhance that peanut butter and jelly sandwich.
0: That's right. Great reference because I love bananas on peanut butter and jelly. I actually like bananas (laughs) instead of the jelly, but um, (laughs) anyway, go ahead. That's the gist
3: of it. I think for me, when you tune into the show and you tell others about it, I am just like you. I'm a listener and I only join selfishly every week for the sake of being able to give back to the community in the way the community had supported me for so long. So with that in mind, Jeff, let's let's not waste any more time, man. Let's give these people some value. And uh, microphone back to you, buddy.
0: All right. So Red will be inviting people up on stage if you have questions of Xenopher or Sumeya. And- yeah, I love peanut butter with bananas, but I've never had peanut butter, bananas, and jelly. But this is, this is what you get here on How to Succeed in Product Management. That's usage, customer usage. That's how I use my bananas and peanut butter. <laughs> Jennifer, bring us back, get us back on topic. Tell me a little bit about what inspired you to, to write a, a popular blog post about customer usage data. What was the problem that you were seeing that inspired you to capture some of your thoughts that we're now going to dive into today?
1: yeah so when i was doing my product management and how, when i proposed a lot of recommendations based on data i noticed that it was very convincing and i could get immediate buy-ins from my leadership and i could see that other product managers in my organizations were struggling with this so i could see in a data heavy high-tech company that people were not using the data that they had even if they had they were not using it in the right way and That's where I thought that uh, something that's working well for me, I should probably share that to a bigger audience where uh, if it can help in any way. So, So, yeah, that was why I wrote in terms of why we need to look at the data for all the customers in one view. And that was the main gist of that blog.
0: All right. Thank you. And thank you for being here. And I'll get back to you in just a second. But Sumea, I want to hear from you too. When and why is customer usage data appropriate as you're making the case for whatever your next idea is? So when and why is it appropriate to dive into customer usage data versus as you said, there's data abundance. There's so many other sources of data that could help make a case.
2: Yeah. So I wanna I wanna just like talk about it to start from a principles standpoint. In principle. We need quick feedback loops in product, in the product world, so we can create valuable products. And a lot of the data we get is lagging in nature. You know, you build this product and you send it out into the wild, or you show it to a few customers, and then you look at the data that comes out of there, of there. whether it's qualitative or quantitative. We can talk more about that nature of the data. However. There are a lot of situations where even before you start building a product, let's say, or a feature or something new, which is the scenario, Jeff, you presented, where you don't necessarily have anything you can show anyone to get feedback from it, but your company might have a lot of other data that can help you or provide you with some insights. I think that's uh, sometimes how new ideas for new product lines come up, where we see with existing customers, oh, there is a need, no one is meeting. We're hearing these grumbles or these, you know, side conversations about this need. But then what kind of data is available out there to support this idea? Some of the data can be available through our own existing products in ways that the people are using the product in a way that it wasn't intended. You know, we design products for sometimes a specific use or a specific use case, and then people take it and use it in another way for a different use case. It's not an optimal experience for them, but it's maybe much better than the Excel sheet that they were using before. And by the way, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with the joke that Excel is the number one competitor to most products out there in the market. So sometimes you have that data already available to you in terms of the Excel sheets that people on your team or in your customer's team are using. I'm thinking about a B2B scenario. But then in other cases, and this is where I would love to hear from Jennifer because you probably work on the consumer side a lot. What are some of the data sources you end up using? And how do you decide what's appropriate for which scenario?
1: Yeah, as you said, Sumaya, there are so many data sources. And in today's digital world, we have data flowing from everywhere. So it is very important to curate this data. And mostly what I've seen, the important data sources are mainly customer data, the product data, and what works well is the combi- combining this customer and product data uh, to use it together to understand the customer usage uh, and identify opportunities from there uh, in terms of product improvement, identifying ideas for next best product, identifying risks in terms of attrition uh, if there is low usage of the product. So these are high level sources and of data, mainly like Domains of data, I would say, customer and product. When it comes to now the granularity of data, uh, it is about, if, in case of product, it is at the level of each feature that's there in the product. And then from the customer standpoint, it is about the activation, the overall Usage overall engagement of these customers, overall clicks of these customers, web data uh, of these customers. So, see, so yeah, I think uh, these are different uh, data sources that come into play when it comes to specifically analyzing or using data for product analytics.
0: All right, Sumei, did you have a follow up question or point that you would like to make?
2: I love, therefore, how you broke it up. You know, to think about product versus uh, customer. I think the. Ultimately, the best stories are told with the combination, which is, you know, why over time, sometimes we don't even think about that division of the data. Do you still think about that? Here is customer data and here is product data. Have you reached a point where you don't think about, about it separately? What does that evolution look like for you?
1: So I think it, it mostly it goes hand in hand, but um, there are times when, there was one more data that I, I wanted to mention is the overall sales data, sales and customer support data. That is when probably we don't want to use the product data, but then we want to use the customer data along with the support data to understand what are some of the customer pain points, what are some of the feedback that we are getting from the customers, in this case, it is still about the product, but not really, in this case, we don't really have to use the product data per se, we just have to use, in this case, support data or, or sales data to understand how the business is doing in terms of for that product or how is the product failing. Are not working well for customers, and when are customers requiring the support for the product. So that's where we don't use the product data, or we just only use customer data in combination with the sales or the support data. So this is this is just like an example, but it depends on I think what goal are we trying to achieve, what questions or what are we trying to solve, what are some of the business questions, and that's where I think that. We need to start with questions, what questions we want to address, and then work backwards in terms of, okay, in order to address these questions, what are the metrics that we want to track? And then based on that, track the data sources that we want to find data sources that we want to leverage to track these metrics.
0: And so speaking of tracking, can you share any tips or anything that you do for visualizing the data so that it's very clear? what's happening and not just what's happening at any one snapshot but what's happening over time any tips or any anything that you do that you found works well for visualizing the data
1: yeah so i would say like if you're visualizing the data on a dashboard or using a tool like tableau or click or power bi i would say keep the dashboards simple because not everybody is that tech savvy so that is one and then it should be easy to understand Uh, If you are tracking this on a daily basis, it should be only a few key metrics that you want to track that are actionable, uh, that provides the right insights. And one of the ways to visually do it is like uh, probably, you know, bar chart is very cliched, but then use the bar chart uh, when it comes to tracking a particular number against, uh, let's say, a list of customers. When it comes to visualizing a trend on a timeline, probably a line chart is better for that. And there are many resources in terms of uh, both uh, online and there there are books that we can leverage to understand which charts to use when for what specific purpose. So I think it is very important to understand what charts to use and also keep the dashboard simple, not have many charts at the same time, only keep the key metrics and they should be legible at the same time. This is from the visualization perspective but then from the overall insights and content perspective those metrics should be actionable and uh, it should be easy to understand
0: red or Sumei, i know both of you have experience in visualizing data and dashboards and any best practices or anything that you wanted to add to that conversation
3: well yeah i wasn't gonna take any claim to say that uh, i'm fantastic at displaying data from a product perspective but Jennifer, one thing that you said that really resonated is, I have a background in sales, is that bridge between using customer data and then the hopes of go-to-market data that sales is begging for product to take account, right? It's not just about building for the customer, but who could be. And I'm wondering, do you experience this? And also, those dashboards you mentioned, is there a way to maybe build those or display those in such a way that it creates empathy from the other teams so they understand you are listening? Or explain at least to why you may not be?
1: Yeah, and I've seen this a lot in my experience where when it comes to sales, it's basically what they want to understand is what is that next best product? What are some of the upselling, cross-selling opportunities? Are my current accounts doing well or not? And to do that, I think in these scenarios, we need to leverage the data scientists here and create this overall score and Once we have that overall score, train the teams to understand what those scores mean and if there are, like, what actions to take based on those scores. So, what I mean by that is uh, let's take, for example, there are five different products that an organization is selling. A customer only has, current existing customer only has bought two products. And based on their usage analysis, we understand, uh, we work with the data scientists to understand what are some of the next best products that we can sell to this customer or let's say this product is based on subscription can we increase the number of subscriptions with this customer so we give this one score and we just say that okay if it is if that score is let's say between 1 and 25 that means this customer has low usage and we need to somehow train these customers to use the existing products that they have purchased better so We have a different sales play for that. If the score is somewhere between 50 and 25, that means these uh, customers are using this product uh, very well. That means we learn from these customers what's working well and then understand if there are any upsell opportunities or cross-sell opportunities from these customers. So I think we have to customize it based on the organization and based on the product that we are trying to sell and create this best known method within the organization in partnership with data scientists and the data team to build this common, easy to understand metrics or score. So
3: to confirm, at least from when you say the word customer, you could be speaking about existing or you could be speaking about prospective customers. These are the companies that could be and you're still taking the attempt to rate them as to how they would fall within product usage.
1: Well, what I was referring to was for the existing customers, but similarly, we can leverage the sales or the leads and opportunities data to understand what are some of the prospects and then somehow group them based on the existing customers data and map them to the customers belonging to kind of that same group, uh, the prospects belonging to same group as that of the existing and then what are existing customers doing with our, our product, and then accordingly uh, leverage that information to attract these new uh, prospects, if that makes sense.
3: It makes sense. And one thing I've learned working with Sumea for as long as I have is that it, the answer could always be it depends on the size of the company and where they are and go to market with the product. There can be so many variables to be considered. And so Sumea, I won't speak for you, but look, I got, if anyone's listening, you can't see this, but I got a nice hands in the air for a woo, gotta love this clubhouse app, Jeff. But uh, Sumeya, I think I am curious from your perspective where you've seen alternative approaches or reasons for an organization to avoid the approach that's been stated. And if that hasn't existed, then Jennifer's really kicked this one out of the park.
2: (laughs) You know, there is is nuance to everything, I believe. Like there's this one part of me that is sometimes skeptical of approaches that eliminate the talking to the customer phase which is whenever we you know whenever we talk about data i think people think about it specifically in the quantitative data things like how many leads do we have how long have they been what's the size etc so we take all this complex stuff or like a conversation we got we had with let's say a potential customer and we we'll reduce it down to a few numbers in the CRM. And then we take that and we combine it with a bunch of other data and we come out with certain conclusions. And if you were to do that in a vacuum all the time, you will find that this is not gonna work all the time. Because there is nuance that only comes up when actually humans sit down and talk about things together. Where maybe that one conversation with three people during a recession uh, highlighted pricing is an issue, but in reality, it's just pricing based on a feature that they were aware of. But if you were to present them with another set of features, the recession won't matter in the conversation. And so like if we're talking about nuance, I think the one area when it comes to data that I would like us to always be mindful of is that the quantitative data that we love so much doesn't necessarily tell the story and it's not going to replace talking the humans talking to each other
1: plus one on that yeah i think quantitative data only it's only used to explore and then i think that has to be validated or we need to get more context by talking with humans as some mentioned, or once we have the feedback, qualitative information, quantitative data is can be used to validate that information. So it's always a combination of qualitative and quantitative. Yeah, I do want to call out that they always go hand in hand. And that's where I think just data is not enough even when it comes to sales team. The sales team are on the field and they have a lot more information and they have a lot more gut instinct that actually feeds into building a proper go-to-market strategy and not just proper go-to-market strategy also feeds into what we need to do for the product improvements.
0: And then Jennifer, in, in your blog post, you you also talked about how you could utilize customer usage data to start realizing who you want to talk to and target some of that qualitative data collection can you speak to a little bit about how somebody might take the the quantitative data and the usage data and zero in on targeted strikes so to speak of where do they need to find some additional qualitative information
1: yeah so it starts with first asking the right questions what questions are you trying to address and then based on that look into the data what data that we have what is the data that we have and what does data tell and what i was referring to is basically we bring in all these customers in one view for a particular metric or metrics, key metrics that we are tracking. And once we have that, identify the outliers, identify the customers that are doing well as expected, identify the customers that are probably not using the product as expected. And then based on that, Once you identify the customers, have these targeted conversations with customers in terms of understanding what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing. Is it working well for them? How can we as product managers or we as organization can help them using our product better? So things like that. And I think... It really depends on what goal are you trying to achieve? What questions are you trying to solve? And then based on data, what specific information that you get? And then based on that, have that targeted conversation, uh, specific conversations with the customers versus, yes, open questions are also important. But at the same time, having some focused questions gives you the answers to what you need to do next.
0: All right. Thank you, Jennifer. And now Red. Uh, you know what's coming and it's not just audience participation but my question for you are you red E? Oh.
3: <laughs> if we just wanted to take like my sigh just my sigh over that joke and just make a, a compilation i'm going to use that for your birthday jeff i just that's, be great. that's me my phone ring whenever you call just a <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, that was brutal.
0: That would be a great <laughs> ring.
2: I have to say. Um, <laughs> What's now, a phone ring? <laughs> what the, you know what people
3: hear when people call, you know, what people call these days still. They, they they call.
0: Sometimes. Jeff,
3: I am so Jeffy. So with that in mind, what Jeff is referencing, and that is Zumea's quote, Are You Ready in a Jeffy? So am I, so may I. So, okay, forget that I tried. We have a lot of opportunities for people to participate. Now, for those who are not present this evening, you can go to our Slack group and sign up. If you don't know how to get there, that's okay. Find me on LinkedIn and send me a message. We don't even have to be connected. You just say product management and I'll know what it's about. And that's one step closer to getting you into the product management community. Now, for those who took the time to be here tonight, and thank you all so much, there's two ways to participate. First of all, there's the chat bubble. If you look at the bottom of your screen here live in Clubhouse, you can fill out the chat screen. And, you know, this is an opportunity for people to ask questions. And ultimately, if they want to give advice, feel free to weigh in. Also, you could raise your hand. Well, it is a digital version of such. And hand raising is just an opportunity for you to say, hey, I want to come up to the stage. So for right now, we're going to try with the chat bubble. I let everyone know what the options are. If you are in our Slack group, you can also DM me. A lot of times people just want to have the question asked and be anonymous, love that too. So for that in mind, get a hold of me, go to the live chat or Slack me, and we'll start to answer those questions. Knowing it takes a little bit of time before people come up with what they want to ask. Jeff, remind us, what again is the theme of this day? And more importantly, what question do you have while we wait for people to think about what they're going to ask?
0: You didn't ask if I was red. E to take that (sighs) right back. We're talking about customer usage data and setting up dashboards and setting up a way. Why should you collect customer usage data? How could you collect it? How could you make it readily consumable? And then how could you action on it? And we haven't yet talked about how you can action on it. So that's where I'm going to go after we give everybody an opportunity to raise their questions in the Product Management Center Slack group or in chat or raise your hand to come up on stage. But Red, there were a few comments in the chat. And I'm wondering if you would mind reading those while people warm up their questions.
3: Absolutely. So going back to the chat here, and again, I will not use names. I might uh, reference the first name, but not the last. We always talk about things depending. And this is a little bit earlier about where the situations might be uh, different. And I think, Samantha this is also just in response to the comment that you had when we're talking about the situation approach compared to what, you know, when I talked about that first question to Zenifer uh, around, hey, what do you tell these other teams when you're tracking the data? And, and how do you make it show empathy in that approach? Now, when we went through this, one of the products that we heard this person was looking at, they looked at the data, they categorized it, created personas. I mean, whew, that's a lot of work. Try to get all that information together and then interviewed 80 people. And from there, that was the basis to build what was their MVP, their roadmap. Just based off of that, I wouldn't call it an ICP. I would say it's still hypothesis stage. Are these people that I interviewed and all the information I collected enough to, to help us decide, is this the way to go? And that's what an MVP is meant to do. Test it with those customers, put it out to the market. So that's where a lot of the conversation comes up. But of course, Sumeya, in your amazing. Obviously, this is the best way to say it. It always depends. There's always going to be that. So I think one question that might come up and... I think, Jennifer, this would be interesting for you. You know, Sumayah proposed the question of like, why 80 people? So my thought process is, this is really just a general question that if no one's asking, I'm going to ask, what is the optimal amount of people to include in your framework of trying to decide what we're
1: going to build next? I think I'm going to say this time it depends. It depends on the number of customers that you have. and then. What is the insight that you're getting? Right. So I, I think it's very hard to put a number in terms of how many people or how many customers you want to reach out to. But I think what is more important is like find out different patterns and different groups, ensure that we are reaching out a good am- number of customers in each of these groups such that uh, we are getting the information that we need, we are getting the right insights that we need, that helps us validate the information that we have got from data and vice versa. If we need a feedback, we uh, get that information and that uh, it aligns or resonates with the data that we have. So, or it basically helps us get to some action. So maybe we can start with good number that we have. And after we interview all these customers, uh, we still feel that we haven't got enough information or we haven't found that common pattern across these different customers or we have found multiple insights. Now, if we have to prioritize on one or the other insight that we want to work on for the MVP, I think that's when we probably reach out to more customers to gather more data. So I wouldn't say that there is one particular number or a percentage of customers that we should reach out to. But it really depends on what is the criticality of the initiative that you're trying to um, address. And then uh, based on that, understand, like, I think the critical point here is that we should get the information that we need, Uh, we should be able to make the decisions based on the qualitative and quantitative analysis outcome. And that's where I think we are good, good to go.
3: I love that we're good to go. I think that's the the hard part too of it depends is, you know, this could work for this situation or for you, but for those who are new to product management and maybe earlier in the, a smaller company or a much larger one, I mean, what advice do you have for people to feel confident that they have the right approach? You know, even if it's different, what is the thing that gives you that confidence?
2: I'll throw a couple of things very quickly. The first one always starts by thinking about what is the information or the story I'm trying to tell? Or maybe what is the story that my data is telling me? And then show it. Show it to people. Show it to others who have maybe more experience or have been looking at stuff, you know, longer than you have. And get feedback from them. They'll probably ask you other questions you might not have thought about. And instead of taking a long time to just analyze data one-on-one... Realize that there is a a point of diminishing returns. This is something very true with data. Sometimes the more you look at it, the less you get out of it and the more doubts you start having. And so spend a little bit of time, but then bring in someone else. Show them the data, let them look at it, let them react to it. Those are the two things that I always, you know, when I'm talking to PMs who are starting to look at data for the first time, I give them. And then last one is the book. Storytelling with Data is one of my favorite books, and I highly recommend that.
3: I read that to my kids every night, Sumaya. Oh, my gosh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Red, you are exactly the kind of parent I like. (laughs) <laughs>
3: yeah, you know, I could just see that. I think, Jeff, we need to do a story time and just gonna, it's just going to be perfect. It's going to be perfect.
0: Oh, good to have you back, Red.
3: Thank you. Thank you. And Jennifer, I want to say thank you again. And thank you to the you know person who obviously inspired that question around the idea of what they were building for the company they were at. And in terms of really raising that question, like, what is the number? How many licks does it take to get to the center?
0: of a tootsie roll jeff back to you (laughs) on that note (laughs) yes go ahead
2: Jeff, raul in the chat brought up a good point around you know some of the interaction and the agreement his team has with people on the marketing side or sales etc or revenue and i like some of the data points that were provided, that's not something we talked about completely. You know, for example, LTV, retention, session time, impressions, drop-off, funnels, etc. I think these data points, each one of them tells a different story, their nature in terms of, you know, how predictive or lagging they are. There is so much nuance in each one of those. Maybe we can take a minute uh, as Jennifer, I don't know if you'd like to do that, to to share maybe your favorite go-to data points that you look at a lot for the type of product you tend to work on. So I imagine for B2B products, different versus B2C versus other kind of nuance that you might be more familiar with.
1: I can talk about um, B2B um, products and as that's where my major expertise lie, uh, lies. And so I think some of the metrics that I track on a regular basis and I've been tracking throughout all my different roles are the adoption and retention and this is not just about like what's happening on a particular day but the trend of that so what is my adoption growth what has been my attrition over time so putting a time to measure any metric is very important and I think the most common metrics that I uh, typically track are from the adoption perspective is Number of basically users using a particular or a set of features on a daily basis, like the key features that are important to us, or overall using number of active users on the product on a monthly basis or a daily basis. So DAU, MAU, WAU, which is weekly active users. And on the attrition side, like it's basically a number of customers that we have lost, and then what is that rate over time? So this is not something that I uh, track on a daily basis, but it's something that I track on a regular basis. And then I work with the sales team to understand what are some of the reasons why we have lost these customers. And this is mainly from understanding or getting Product feedback so that we can we can get that feedback and do some product improvements if, if the customers have lost uh, we have lost those customers because of those reasons so yeah those are like some of the key metrics that I typically track on a regular basis and then actually I would also like to mention again it depends on at what stage the product is at so uh, if you are let's say launching a new product uh, which I've done in a few of my past experiences so in those times we provided trial. And so that time I was regularly tracking the trial conversion rate. So at what point the customer signed up for the product, how much, for how long did the customer use the product uh, during the trial period, how many customers were we able to convert to actually the buying customers from trial version to the buying uh, buying version of the product. So yeah, like it really, uh, again, depends on at what stage your product is at. Uh, The adoption and retention are mainly when you have, When your product is ongoing, it's already established. Or when you have a newly launched product, it's more about how your adoption is growing and then how are you acquiring new customers.
0: All right. Thank you so much for that. Now it's time for Controversial Opinions. This is Red's favorite moment, a new segment. We need like a theme song, Controversial Opinions time maybe wow not. yes that was it
3: <laughs> perfection
0: thank you uh having too much fun on a serious topic here so red do you want to maybe your voice would be better do you want to give us that song again for this segment controversy
3: <laughs> i'm sorry it's Amaya, your turn
0: <laughs> so may you have it in you
2: well i'm gonna overthink this so no i don't not today <laughs>
0: fair so <laughs>
2: especially since i think we would be hard pressed to have a controversial opinion when it comes to data because i think yeah well i'm giving the answer before we give the question so let's go for it
3: Oh,
0: well, maybe that's the controversial I, I think you opinion
2: gold right here jeff that sounded controversial
3: it right did
0: there. it is impossible to have controversial opinions about data zennifer
2: i didn't say impossible i said hard
0: hard okay <laughs> fair enough always leaving a little wiggle room Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer, sorry for our our loopy moment here, but I am curious. Every week, uh, Red and I try to get some controversy. Their product managers always seem to agree on a lot of things. And so we want to know, is there any idea as it relates to customer usage data, analytics, or actioning on customer data that you think might be controversial that you want to float and see if Sumeya agrees or wants to battle it out on on your point?
1: Good question. Well, I'll have to think about it, but yeah yeah i think when it comes to data it's facts and figures right so we can't have a lot of controversies there but i believe when it it happens between again going back to qualitative and quantitative there might be controversies there itself data might tell something but then what's actually happening or the true story might be something else and that we can always know from the qualitative Perspective. So, see, I think there might be some controversies between the data and real life, but yeah, I think that's what I think.
0: All right. So, let me dive into that if I could. Sorry, Samia. Real quick, because I think we might be close. What would you start with? You have an existing product. Would you start with the usage of that product, or would you start with interviews as you chart your next steps after you've released a feature or product and you're determining what's next? Are you focused first on customer usage data? Or focus first on qualitative and interview data?
2: I would say usage because it's the cheapest, quickest thing you can do. You literally, if you have your thing set up because you've been looking at the data for your usage already, you probably have that data available to you and you can, in a matter of hours, get it done. Sometimes getting to the customer, coming up with the right questions that are not leading can take a little more than a few hours might require you know some planning and collaboration i would lean for what is the fastest place to start but this is not an either or it's it's an and and it's just get your hands on the data you can get your hands on as fast as possible
0: zenafer what comes first for you
1: i think it's both like i would uh, to, although this is controversial segment i would agree with samaya that we have to start with if we were to start initiate this Uh, we start with the data first as it is low investment. However, there are many times when I have actually got feedback from sales when I was not even looking at the data for that. And only when we get feedback from sales, we actually start looking at the data. So that's where I think that interview comes first. So in this case, product managers don't really directly do the interviews or start with the interviews, then that's... Really, um, what salespeople are that's they are uh, actually day to day thing that they anyway are doing. That's how we get the feedback. But I do want to bring up one more point that when it comes to customer usage data, and this can be get little controversial in terms of using the customer data itself because it's very important that uh, we consider the privacy, confidentiality, and data security of these customers, and we are ensuring that. We are not really getting into something that customers would not like us to look into. So, we have to be very careful in terms of how we use the customer usage data, and we have to ensure that we are doing this with the consent of our customers. So, it's very important that we are very careful and mindful when using customers' data and how we are using it.
2: I want to just add another scenario where I think when we're talking about new aspects of a product or new offering. Sometimes we're also talking about new customer segments that have nothing to do with the existing ones. And so you, the customer data really doesn't is not that helpful. And so we're talking about having to go out there and talk to, to customers. The other consideration, or potential, I should say, potential customers. And then uh, the other consideration also, when it comes to data and trust and transparency, is third-party data. So, you know, there is a thriving industry there. I'm not talking about us selling data, or anyone selling data, I'm, you know, I'm not representing any company here. I'm talking about buying that data and what do we do with it and how much do we trust that data? Because I, I've worked a lot on segmentation before of you know third-party data and there are some problematic things that happen there. So it's less about the data sometimes and more about the conclusions. So as we look at data and think about the conclusions we're coming up with, We should be skeptical sometimes and be able to ask the question of, does this make sense? And this is where the intuition and the gut feel become really important too.
0: All right, we're almost to concluding thoughts, but I do want to hear a little bit more about actioning on the data. So you get consumer or customer usage data, talked a little bit about what data we're collecting, how we're choosing it and visualizing it. But now how can we action it? Are there any frameworks for deciding how you would take action on customer usage data or are there any examples that you could share that will help the audience understand actioning what you have
1: i think two important things here that that we should follow one is whatever actions we take they should align with the organizational and business goals or just the product goals for that matter and the second thing is that we should once we once we have these insights and probably the corresponding actions uh, that we we should take. I think we should review that with customers as well as internal teams, uh, mainly the leadership, the other product teams, the engineering team, sales and marketing team, because I think that, that way we can get different perspectives from different teams. And then obviously we are doing this, all this for the customers. So uh, we can get that validation from the customers that what we are doing is is actually in the right direction. So so I think it is very important that we share our perspective or our actions and we get that buy-in before we actually start implementing those actions.
0: Samehya, anything to add to that?
1: I think Jennifer definitely covered all the
2: salient points. Every scenario requires, you know, sometimes different action items. As long as you understand what you're using this data for, I almost want to say, you know, what do you do after that is a foregone conclusion. So, and sometimes it means also you might need to just get more data.
0: (laughs) All right. Yes. The never ending quest for data, which actually is another question is pretty much what Red was already asking. But how do you balance the desire for more knowledge and more data versus the need to take action and move forward? So... I know we touched upon this when it came to interviews and when do you feel confident, but is there anything else that we should be considering as we're balancing the need for speed and the need for mitigating risk and collecting enough data to do so?
2: Oh my God. Isn't that the art of product management, Jennifer? I don't think this is just about data. It's about everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think that's where uh, data won't help. It's probably the gut instinct, the creativity and experience that might help. And I think it's, Not just about getting the right information, but also in this case, then probably following that Parkinson's law that we have to set a time limit for any task that we are doing and get going to the next step and probably just reiterate, follow the agile methodology, reiterate, come back to it, get to a point that that's good enough and meaningful to go to the next step, then go to the next step, learn, and then come back and reiterate on that.
0: Are there any books that either of you think really help you stay agile and stay focused in moving forward? Any any books that you would recommend that help you think through what you need at each step and and when you're ready to go forward?
1: I would definitely recommend reading Lean Analytics. It is focused on actually uh, using data to build startups, but it is also about uh, it. I think it's good for the product managers because. Product managers do own little startup in their own, even if they are part of the bigger organization. So in other words, they are the entrepreneurs. So so I think that's a good book to learn because it provides a good distinction about what kind of different metrics and how to define the metrics. uh, What are some of the ways in which we can segment or like how to do the analytics per se uh, or think analytically, but more from the business point of view. So... Yeah, definitely would recommend that book. And there are tons of resources online I would recommend to read too.
0: Thank you so much, Jennifer. Now it's time for concluding thoughts. Sumeya, what do you want to leave the audience with after this conversation about customer usage data? Why you should collect it, when you should collect it, how you should collect it, and how you should action on it?
2: You know... Raul just brought up a really important point in the chat (laughs) about, you know, valuable data uh, that we haven't necessarily talked about. Things like facial recognition and iris recognition and, you know, so much more. And there is the kind of data we can collect and the details and the personal level of it, I think is only going to get better and better. (laughs) But so does the responsibility and the risks associated with that. So we didn't get a chance to talk a lot about that because as PMs, I know we always have the best intentions, but then there are second degree and third degree effects that we we don't necessarily think through. I mean, think about some of the things that have happened with some of the, the most used products we've all seen over the past decade. So I'm interested in that evolution. Of the data. Yes, there is data we want to collect, and there is new data that we don't even know about that we will get an opportunity to collect in the future. What do we do with it? Do we actually need it? I don't know. Do we need that much details? And is there a point of diminishing returns in terms of providing the value we want to provide? I don't know the answers to these questions. I'm not an expert in this, but imagine there are people who have studied and thought about this. And so I am excited about having more discussions around this stuff in the future. Data is part of our product world, and it is also another one that continues evolving and shifting and, you know, an opportunity for all of us to continue learning and growing with it.
0: Yeah, I love that. I saw a VP at Salesforce was talking about, I guess I shouldn't say that, because I don't know if he was speaking for the company. Somebody who's high up was saying that we're reaching an age where there's data that's an asset, but there's also data that's a liability, that it could harm your customers, it could harm your company, given that once you have it, if law enforcement wants it or what have you. So uh, moving from data as an asset, there is some data or some cases where data could be a liability, and it's important to be careful and and realize that. And Thank you for being here today. I want to give you a chance for concluding thoughts.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with Sumeya that we have lots of data and data is ever evolving, the type of data itself is ever evolving, the way we manage data is ever evolving, and there is a never-ending discussion that can happen over that. But I do want to say that because we now that we have so much data it can sometimes get overwhelming to just dive into the data. So it's very important to have to kind of work backwards, understand what we are trying to solve, and then go and find, try and find that data. In that case, as you were referring to Jeff, we don't have to, yeah, we are already collecting, but then uh, we don't have to probably store all the data or that way we will know what data we need to collect and what data we can probably keep for some time and probably archive that or not keep it at all. So that's that. And with that, I would want to say that whatever we do with data, it eventually is customers' data. There is a lot of privacy and confidentiality involved there. So use that data uh, responsibly and be respectful to the privacy of our customers and the trust that we keep with the customers.
0: All right. Zennifer, Sumeya, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your valuable perspective on customer usage data, and why to collect it, how to collect it, how to visualize it, and how to action on it. This is the end of our show, but we'll be here next week, hopefully, and hope you will subscribe to How to Succeed in Product Management on your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss a single episode. And I also hope you'll volunteer with the Product Management Center. We are working to build a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community and we need guest speakers, we need mentors for fellows in the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator, and we have a whole bunch of ways that you can get involved with as little as an hour of your day. So check out the Product Management Center, Google it online and find the way to volunteer on the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator page and uh, join us uh, because it takes a village and the University of Washington is, is here to build this community, here to make knowledge more accessible and actionable And we hope you'll join us. Jennifer, thanks again. And everybody else, thank you for listening. Have a great week.